Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, here we are back again. One more time. Well, one of many more times, hopefully. But uh, we're still going through Matthew, and we're still in chapter 18. Hopefully, this time around, we can kind of wrap this thing up. We just we got down through verse uh, 27, and talking about... Uh, the gentleman who was forgiven of this enormous debt that he had and how his master had compassion on him. And so uh, then, uh, you know, in this story here that we're being given, it shows how he then reacts when put in this, when the roles are reversed and he becomes the master and someone else is the servant. And uh, so we're going to see in these next few verses, uh, beginning in verse 28, how uh, how he responds now that the roles are reversed. And so here's what happens. Um, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. So the first thing we notice here is the uh, attitude or the violent approach that uh, that he takes in this situation, um, because in the situation when he was the the debtor, or the indebted uh, part of the role, back in verse twenty four, it says, uh, "It his master came to him and says, when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents." So, in this case, though he went out and sought someone who owed him money. So he's already starting off the wrong way, but he's the one going out and, and seeking somebody instead of having him brought to him. And, and when it went to him, he, he, they give a scenario here where he's uh, very aggressive. It says, and he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. So right off the bat, we see that he's got a bad attitude about the whole situation that uh, he really hasn't learned much from uh, the situation that he was in. Uh, he's taken advantage of someone else's compassion, and yet he's not willing to give it. Now, just so you know what we're talking about here, you know, we, we talked about the exorbitant amount that he owed. It was, a, it was a, an amount that could never be paid. It was way beyond his capability, even though he claimed he would pay it. The reality was that there was no way he could. It was impossible to pay. The owner knew that. He knew that. Everybody knew that. Now, in this situation, uh, based on the research I've done, this guy only owed him, it says, uh, and 100 pence. 
Uh, by today's calculations, from what I can tell, that's less than $2. Of course, $2 was a lot more back then than it is now. Um, you know, the, a, a day's wage was only a penny, but that's still within, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be like a home mortgage maybe or something of that nature, which is which is doable. You know, you, you could manage a way to do that. So this guy says, I'll pay it back. And he might possibly have been capable of paying back, whereas in the other situation, uh, he, there was no way he could pay it back, even though he claimed he, he would. So in this situation, there is the possibility he could be paid back, but the guy wanted his money, he wanted it right now. And so says, and his fellow servant, verse 29, fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. So um, he says, I'm going to pay every penny back. Now, here's the problem. It's it's not the amount that matters. I mean, the amount kind of adds drama when you compare the two. You know, we just talked about the comparison of the two and and how one makes sense and one doesn't. But it's not about the amount anyway. That's not the problem here. It, it adds to the drama, but, but, that's, but it's not the point. The point is the attitude of the guy who's going out and trying to get this money from this individual. Now, he has an even better reason. I mean, before, he would never be able to, uh, even if he was able to collect all the debts that were owed to him, there's no way he could possibly collect enough money to pay off the debt that he owed. Uh, but now, he doesn't owe a debt. So whatever he money he gets, he's going to put in his pocket. So now it's a profitable venture before it wasn't. Now it is. And so that's part of the motivation behind it. And he wants, he wants his money, by golly. He wants the guy to pay it up. Notice, though, what the, uh, what the, the indebted person says. He says, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He used the exact same phraseology that had been used back in verse 26. Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The same exact phraseology. And yet, he's being rejected. So, number one, we see the guy going out, searching out the individual. Number two, we see him aggressively demanding his money. And now, number three, we see the response being the same identical response um, that was used in the prior argument. Um, and we're going to find out that he didn't care. And, and number four, of course, we, we've already found out that now it's a profitable venture, whereas prior to that, it would not have been profitable because any money he collected, he was going to have to turn over to the person who uh, that he owed the money to, to you know, to begin with. So, um, so we see those four things already just in these two verses. And, and so this case is being mounted against the guy who's demanding the money here, and who had already been given forgiveness in a previous situation. And so the guy says, hey, have patience with me, so I'll pay you all. I'll pay the all. He says, I'll, I'll pay your debt. Just give me some time to do it. Give me, allow me to work it out. And in verse 30, 30 he says, and he would not, but went and cast him in prison till he should pay the debt. Now, <laughs> so this is number five against five strikes against him. Um, he says, no, I'm not going to give you time. I want my money, and I want it right now. Number six, throws him in jail. 
So, I mean, you know, the, the things are just really mounting against this guy. Of course, you know, that was the process back then. That's how they collected debt. But in reality, they never collected debt. That's how people, you, you've heard about the term the debtor's prison. And what it means is you get thrown into prison because you owe somebody money until you pay them back. Well, how are you going to pay them back if you have no way to earn it? You can't generate any income if you're in jail. And so you get stuck in there and you're just in there forever, you know, I guess, and, until something miraculous happens that you might get out or somebody pays your debt for you or something along those lines. So anyway, the guy throws him in, in jail. So he, he really doesn't have any hope of getting his money back out of this guy. If you throw him in jail, you're not going to get paid. You're just doing it because you're cruel. And, and we're going to see that in a few minutes because what we're looking at here now is, a, is an evil nature. So when his, in verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. So now others who are aware of the situation and who possibly owed him money as well saw how he was treating this guy and they're thinking, man, he's going to do the same thing to us too. It's just a matter of time till it gets around to us. And so they go to the guy that had forgiven, had offered the forgiveness back in our prior verses. And they tell him, look, this guy that you forgave the debt, you showed compassion on him, he's not, he's not paying it forward. He's not, you know, he's, he's not doing the same thing. He's, you gave him this, forgave him this enormous debt, and he's not even forgiven in this small debt. And so this guy has learned nothing from what you did for him. So in verse 32, then it says, Then his Lord, after they had called him, once again, sent for him. Didn't go out, find him, drag him in, and mistreat him. Called him, like a gentleman, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Notice what he calls him. He says, you're a wicked servant. He doesn't say you're evil. He doesn't say you've done bad. Doesn't say you didn't learn anything. He says you're wicked. Now, if you're going to do something evil, that means you 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 you've done something bad, or you've planned on doing something bad. It was with malice and forethought and all that sort of Lee Lee's term terminology. But um, but to but that's different than being wicked because to say that you're wicked, yeah, causes you to do the bad things. But why? It's because you're by nature. You're wicked. You're evil. You do bad things because that's who you are. Here's a guy who has no moral compass whatsoever. He has no concern, obviously, for the guy who's begging him to, to give him time. He's not even asking to be forgiven the debt. He's just asking to give him time to pay it. And he's not, he's, he's not showing any concern for him. <laughs> he obviously hasn't learned anything from the situation that he's just gone through. Why is that? It's because he's incapable of learning anything from it. His nature is such that he doesn't even have the ability to to see what's happened. He, he, he can't correlate the two. In his mind, it's a very separate situation when in reality it's exactly the same situation. But that's what it is, you know, and that's what the world is. The world doesn't see 
morality. They don't understand morality. The world is incapable of understanding. You know, we, we can't change the world. And maybe that's, you know, what we try to do all too often in so, in so many of the benevolent ventures that Christians get into. We're trying to change the world. People, we can't change the world. It's never going to change. I mean, just read Scripture and look what happens, you know, in the end times. We're, we can't change the world. You can't make people who don't know God act like they know God. They don't have the capability of doing that. Their nature is wicked. But what you can do is you can reach them individually and change them from wicked people to save people. Um, and that's all that we can try to do. And, you know, a lot of the things that we may do in life, feeding the starving and, and uh, harboring the homeless and building hospitals and schools and things, not that those are bad things, but folks, if you think that's going to change the world, it's not. It might alleviate some suffering, but it's not going to change the world. Nothing's going to happen from that. The only thing that really changes anybody is to reach them one-on-one -on -one and share Christ with them. He says in verse 33, Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Again, look back in verse 27. He uses the same word, compassion. You know, he had compassion on him. He said, you should have compassion on someone else. So the similarity is very clear. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now he's reinstated that debt. Now he said, now you owe me. You know, the debt is, is, is still there now. So likewise shall my heavenly, and this is really, I think, the crux the whole thing kind of wraps everything up, puts it all into a perspective of what you know, the real message here is. It says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Two things. First, he refers to his heavenly Father. Now he says, you know, you're going to be judged by God someday. And certainly people are going to be judged by God. We're all going to be judged by God. Um, and when that judgment comes, you better be ready. Um, and he's, he's telling him, look, there's going to be a judgment coming that's even greater than the debt you owe now. And that judgment is hell. And that's where everybody's going if they're not saved and bought by the blood of Jesus. If you've never been truly born again, you're on the road to hell. You're a sinner, and that's what you deserve. You can't pay the debt yourself. Christ is not going to pay it for you if you're not going to accept his free gift of salvation. That's, that's where you're going. Notice what he tells him to do. He says, um, So shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. He says, I'm not saying you need to just forgive this one guy. He's doing something this guy totally doesn't expect. He says, you need to go out and forgive everybody that owes you money. I mean, he's really blindsiding him with this. In fact, what he's telling him in reality is your heart needs to change. And not just for one person, but for everybody. And that's what salvation does. That's what knowing Christ does. It changes a person's heart. It changes our nature. We're no longer wicked. We're now born-again believers in Jesus Christ. That's what the blood of Jesus does. It washes us clean and makes us new. And he says we're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
Um, and so that's ultimately the message here of this passage. And, uh, well, finally we got through chapter 18, and we're out of time. And we'll pick up in chapter 19 next time. Goodbye and God bless.